Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Jordan trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! Against Gil, the crowd on its feet. Allen for the win! Welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the first episode of the Sneaker History Sports Podcast, where we dig a little bit deeper into the sports aspect of shoes. Because you know what? They kind of intertwine anyway. You don't say. I'm Robbie Falky. Um, You know me, probably, if you listen to the podcast anyway. But I'm here with my good friend, Ro. Ro, g- give, him, give him the specs on your life. Hi. Who are you? I am a 31-year-old Libra that's off the mark. No, no, no. <laughs> I am a sports fan that likes talking about sports. That happened to be a part of Nike for a couple of years. So I have a various large amounts of shoes. And hopefully I will be able to articulate that more properly next time. But we I have large of, shoes. I have large shoes. That's our, uh, that can be our title for the podcast. I have large shoes. And it's a picture of me with a Bobby mustache. I have large. Bobby and Robbie. That's another one. Fresh off the boat and Robbie. Oh, oh that, God. Like Thank Toby you. and Bobby. Toby and Bobby. You can be Toby and I will be Bobby. And hopefully I will have more acting range than uh, John Wick 3. But yeah, uh, sports fan, Seekerhead, Robbie reached out because we have a lot of mutual friends and we realized we have a similar sense of humor and way around watching sports. So that is going to give you hopefully 45 to 55 minutes of enjoyment for your ears and hopefully you can learn something and be educated at the same time. We hope so. I mean, let's be real. A lot of us are sitting there looking through, um, you know, if you're being really cool, sneakerhistory.com and other various shoe blogs while we're watching sports. We're probably on eBay or on StockX, you know, scrumming the bottom of the barrel for those shoes you didn't buy five years ago. Absolutely. While watching sports. Of course. Or you could be like me and you lightning hawks see a pair of shoes from way too far away and the players wearing on the court. That happened to me with um, Trey Lyles with uh-huh. the – uh, who's he played for? I just saw them this week. San Antonio Spurs. Yeah. Uh, Trey Lyles. I was at the Blazer game and I'm in the nosebleeds because my seats are not good. But I see from the 300 level all the way down there that he's wearing what the Kobe eights. And I'm like, hot damn. I know that orange and blue shoe from a mile away. I'm instantly looking at shoes while I'm at my sporting event, seeing how much those are going for and crying once I see what they're going for. Yeah, this Kobe bump is not friendly for us sneakerheads. It's not at all. Um, but I guess moral of that whole story was, that, you know, shoes and sports go together like peas and carrots, don't they, Jenny? Peas and carrots. Peas and carrots. Jenny. Right. No, I mean, exactly. And my whole perspective was I've always been a sports fan. And then I recently got into the sneakerhead game. So it's been interesting kind of going back and forth with Robbie because he is my sneaker godfather. He's done Corleone and I will always come to Robbie and say, Hey Robbie, can you tell me something about the sneaker? Because I remember it from this obscure sports memory that I had. And Robbie will always be like, well, that actually also happened in that sneaker, but did you know X, Y, and Z? So we're hoping we can fill in the gaps, whether you're sneaker centric or sports centric. Would that be fair to say Robbie? Very fair. And I love that you say that because I get way too many DMS from people who are like, what do you think about these? Lakai shoes, which are skateboarding shoes. And I'll say, I haven't worn a pair of those since middle school. And then they'll follow up question ask, do you remember how they fit? And I'm 30 now. So it's. You're not 14? Yeah, 14. I don't remember how those shoes fit from all the way that long ago. I've seen you in a pair of Jinko jeans. You're telling me you're 30? (laughs) My Jinkos, my my pipe to leg game is, is. is very strong. Let's put it that way. I feel like you could put your entire cats through the space created by the bottom ends of your Jinko jeans. And they'd be living for it. Yeah. But you have 
Okay, so you can't remember how a pair of shoes fit when you were 14, but I guarantee you can remember remember your favorite like sports moment from when Absolutely. you were 14. Absolutely. Like, or your favorite heart, or not your favorite, your favorite heartbreak, your worst heartbreak in oh, sports. Absolutely. Steve Nash leaving the Mavericks broke my damn heart. Oh, absolutely. And I will be the sneaker guy. Airjet Flight Max, probably my favorite Nike sneaker of all time. I will constantly scour eBay, do the StockX thing like Robbie was alluding to, because that shoe to me is the entry point into low cut basketball shoes being a viable option. All due respect to the Mamba RIP, we miss you, dog. But for me, that Airjet Flight Max is the first actuality that. Hey, low-cut shoes not only work, they allow us a certain degree of comfort and speed that high tops will just not give us. And they just looked fast. The big Valcor, it was a running shoe on steroids. I remember a slam article about it because I think Lang Whitaker did a profile on Steve Nash. And his whole thought process was, hey, next time you watch Nash, look at his sneaker. It looks like a running shoe on sneaker. So I was like, hmm, I'm a big Nash fan. Let me look at the sneaker. And then I realized a lot of my other favorite players also wore that sneaker. Jason Williams, I think Wally Serbiak, Dirk might have had a run in them. And I was like, I love the fact that Wally, Wally, Miami's finest, all, all due respect, the, uh, what is it? The Miak, he's probably the finest Red Hawk of this generation. Until he's not, and somebody will tell me on Twitter, and then hopefully we can get them out of your DMs. So they can educate me about Miami Red Hawk basketball. But going back to the sneaker, it's just... I always love shoes with Velcros because up until the age of 18, I probably couldn't tie my shoes and it was a joke in my family. So anytime I could hide that with a big Velcro staff, I would always do that. Are you kidding? Are you being dead no, serious? No, I'm being dead serious. It's, 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 I've come a long way. Oh man, I learned how to tie my shoes from my babysitter named Marge. Marge, who used to smoke cigarettes like Marge's sisters in The Simpsons. Oh, someone Patty. Yeah, and she used to be like, you're going to get this right, goddammit. And she was sitting there like inside my parents' house where you can't smoke inside the house, like smoking cigarettes while babysitting me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hey. She taught me how to tie them. I was afraid of her, so I had to learn quick. Listen, I, you need that forceful hand sometimes because I just had coddling and love, and I think the cord is still wrapped tight from both of my parents because I'm sure once we make this public, they're going to – flood our reviews and give us each five 10 star reviews they're going to show up and start listening yeah. we'll, we'll save that story for another episode of sure. of how committed rose parents are to his crafts yep but um it's adorable um much like lebron james is committed to his family yes. and you see him at every sierra canyon game and it's so tight i mean doubting 101 not only that like zuri's youtube channel oh yeah super cool cooking food healthy snacks it's I'm just Life wondering, well, what is Bryce going to do? Is Bryce the media mogul in all this? Because clearly, Bronny has the basketball game on lock. Mm-hmm. Zuri is a media superstar. What's Bronny doing? Because all I see about Bronny, and rightfully so, because I don't want to creep on a 14-year-old's Instagram, is yeah. he's a dancing machine. Yeah, showing up on TikTok a lot. But uh, I don't know. That's, that's going to be a good call. You can have a really good you know, triple threat right there with your kids. Yeah. Um, Ironically, similar to Jordan's kids, where we have two boys and a girl. Yeah, actually it is. So, um, we'll use that transition to talk about the thing that binds Robbie and I the most outside of sneakers, basketball. So Robbie, you were talking about the All-Star game. We've got it coming up. And you want to just look at the rosters and what's your first take on all this? Man, All-Star 2020, like looking at the roster, it's like LeBron James picked everybody younger. And he's <laughs> old now, though. But like everybody younger than him, like substantially, except for Chris Paul. They're like him and Chris Paul are like the two and a half men. Yeah, the banana boat. <laughs> and everybody else is the half men. Yeah. With all these little young kids running around. Manly men. But I am super duper excited to watch this game. I am I'm rejuvenated by it because it felt stale for so many years. Even last year, or maybe it was the year before. Mm-hmm. I turned the game off. I was just sick of seeing like jacked up threes and it's when did you turn the game fun. off, if you don't mind me asking? I want to say like halfway through the third. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I could, I could go to Twenty Four Hour Fitness right now and just watch people shoot up bad threes. <laughs> now, I mean, not only that, the dirty secret about the All Star game, especially, was all due respect to the slam dunk contest. The best dunks were always in the fourth quarter when they had nothing to play for. One hundred percent. So that's your real slam dunk contest over All Star weekend. They're like, wanna- I got a steal. I'm gonna take a really, really slow two step gather and do something crazy on the fast break. Exactly. While nobody chases me down. Because that's what you want. You want the perfect slam up, which is you and the ball in the hoop. Well, so I guess uh, before we jump into players, um, you understand the premise of how the new format yes. of All Star Game is going to work. Ask. So this should hopefully remedy people like me turning it off halfway through the third because they're sick of seeing just the same thing over and over again. 
So, Ro, break down a little bit what's going on. Sure. So, algebra teachers everywhere reunite, are uniting that the fact that, hey, what we taught you in 7th and 8th grade kind of applies to the All-Star Game scoring structure. So, what it is, is think about it as four games instead of one. So, the first quarter, we will have a running tally. Whoever scores the most points in the first quarter, they will win their charity $100,000. Similar format for the second and third quarter. Now, the tricky part is at the start of the fourth, we take the cumulative scores of the first three quarters. And what we want to do is add 24 because respect to Mamba. And what it's going to end up looking like in this hypothetical situation is the fact that let's say LeBron's team is up 100 to Giannis's 99. For LeBron's team to win the game, they have to score 24 more points. Similarly, the only way Giannis's team can also win is that they also have to meet that threshold of 124 points. So they have to score 25 points. Is that fair? That's 100% right. Okay. In case there are any other questions, I have study hours between the times of 3 to 5 p.m. Pacific on most weekdays. So let me know. It's it's wild to think that it's only going to take 24 points. I get why they're doing 24. But... If they decide to have a three fast, well, you get to 24 right Easy. quick. So I like to think that each respective team is going to cool off on the three-pointers. And let's have some more dribble drives. Let's have some more contested two. You know, have some real Kobe plays. Hero ball through and through. Because yeah. I mean, if there's a proper form for hero ball, it should be the all-star game. Mm-hmm. The thing that's also interesting to me is the fact that three of our most prolific shooters are out. So to your point, if we had a KD or a Steph or a Clay in the game, those three or those eight three pointers could be got like that, and that game is over. Mm-hmm. But because I think we are a little light on shooters, it's going to be a really interesting game. The other thing that I'm also looking forward to is to your point, Robbie, is this going to be a reoccurring thing where we're going to add that 24 point total at the end of the fourth? I hope not, because I kind of like this intuitiveness and this new inventive nature of the NBA All Star game. Because unlike baseball, where we're putting an unreal amount of expectation where the winner of the baseball all-star game gets home field in the world series, which I think is a sham because that's an exhibition game. Yeah, which shouldn't correlate to your chance. Part of me thinks it's cool though. Cause there's stakes, that, that but is it's true. also so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, one of my favorite wrinkles has been, and I think basketball has been at the forefront of it is I remember for one of the Olympic qualifying games that it was tied after four, uh, four quarters and the overtime rules were simple. It's first bucket wins. And I think that would be another fascinating wrinkle where it's tied 100 to 100. You're going into overtime. Overtime is literally first possession wins. So similar to the NFL, that can be really interesting because do you see people kind of climb up in that big moment? And then that would also be an interesting homage to Mamba because Mamba would always get the bucket no matter what. Mm-hmm. That'd be tough, especially – just how easy it is to score in the NBA. Yeah. Unlike baseball where it takes some kind of maybe mental lapse by the pitcher. Oh, it's attrition through and through. Yeah. That, that, that'd be tough. But I mean, so roster wise, I think these teams, like you were saying, there's not a lot of elite. Shoot- there's two elite shooters that I see in this list. Yeah. Um, and they're both on team LeBron, it seems. Oh, that's where we when we'll talk about oh, that. Yes. I differ there. So I think okay. I think there's one on each team. Okay, perfect. Um, Bring it on. So for Team LeBron, mm-hmm. we have Anthony Davis, no surprise. Yep. Kawhi Leonard. Not surprised because LeBron is competitive, but surprised because he chose. I think it's he doesn't want to get guarded by Kawhi during the game. I think it's Oh cover himself defensively by putting him on the same team. Yes. That that's a good point. I didn't think of that. Um, and then he went with Luka Doncic, Doncic, Doncic. who hopefully baby LeBron, baby LeBron. I mean, okay. So asterisk, I think it's incredibly unfair to call Luka baby LeBron because it's not unfair to Luka. It's unfair to LeBron. Like LeBron, I take him for granted. We take him so for granted. Okay, haters aside, LeBron is the one thing that has lived up to our expectation as basketball fans. And he's still not good enough. He meets the expectation, and we we make some other arbitrary, dumb expectation on the side of it. He, unfortunately, is also the king of having the goalpost move back on him. Because just whenever you think he's done this next Herculean feat, guess what? You didn't do it this... 6-0. Yeah, 6-0. So I think it's interesting that LeBron also kind of picked this team where he has this theme of LA against the world, as we'll see when we cover Giannis's roster. Luka is going to be interesting because the other thing I fear that we also kind of take granted for uh, LeBron, to Robbie's point, is the fact that we shouldn't call somebody a baby anybody until that person is out of the league. 
Let yeah. Luca be Luca. Mm-hmm. If LeBron's gone and Luca can give us memories like the 38 special or that game five or six in Boston where he just took the soul out of Boston or he has this Herculean movement to cleanse an entire city of its losing. Like Next LeBron time he dunks and, over human beings. Yeah. Like, like full-size human beings in exactly. a game. Or if Luca has three adorable children that do various media things, going back to that old talking point, Luca is Luca, LeBron is LeBron. 100%. It's just, yeah, it's, we always just want to, our yeah. brain wants to compare something new to something we know. But I do and like the interracial new. comparison because I, I love that because I get tired of the, every white dude is Larry Bird mm-hmm. and every African-American or every European player is Manu Ginobili or Jordan in some way, shape or form. Let players play. We can come up with the comparisons after their careers are done. Charles Gambino once said, I'm not going to stop till they say Donald Glover is the, <laughs> is the black James Franco. No, James Franco is the white Donald Glover. Bars. Bars. I, I ruined the bar, but it's, no, no, it's there. No, here's the thing. The best thing about Childish Gambino's freestyles are the spoken word interval that he always has in every freestyle that he's ever done. Mm-hmm. If somebody could give me like a collection or a compilation of those, I'll be a happy man. Because it's always like, yeah, I was at Whole Foods. I was getting the bunk cake and this, that, and the other. I was like, yes, you were, Childish. And, and yes, you were. It's definitely a slice of life. Yes. Um, I mean, this next player, I think we get a lot of slice of his life because he's everywhere for good and bad reasons. Mr. James Harden on Team LeBron. The dribbler? The, the, the dribble. Um, Robert dribble, if you will. Uh, I can't. We'll talk more about James Harden later. I'm a James Harden hater. But that, that's besides the point. And routing out the starting team, I guess, no. The no first man off the bench. Because they, they, they numbered this weirdly on ESPN. Um, where... Damian Lillard is actually number six. So Dame Lillard, also on Team LeBron. Uh, we'll go more in depth with him in a minute here. And then Ben Simmons at number seven. LeBron's heir apparent, if we're going to go with that whole sort of, if somebody has to be a baby LeBron, LeBron wants it to be Ben Simmons. So funny you say that, because I think about that comparison all the time. And I just bought another pair of LeBron three retros. Okay. I'm now three deep in. Oh, well done. And I was... Feeling nostalgic, I watched some YouTube clips of LeBron from the 05 and 06 season. Mm-hmm. So this is the third season of LeBron, hence the LeBron 3. Sure. Um, and that man, Washington Wizards, playing against Gilbert Arenas, Antoine Jameson, Karam Butler, the best the Wizards have been. And <laughs> were, since... they wearing, were they wearing the navy blue with the Dumbledore yes, logo? Yes, I yeah. like the Dumbledore logo, though. I think it's tight. Listen, I enjoy it. I don't like the repurposing of the Bullets uniform with the Wizards paraphernalia. Yeah, it's like... Separate but equal. No, I'm just kidding. That's, that's Christmas. Um, it's just LeBron in that series was taking the open three. Ben Simmons still won't take the open three. No, it's crazy to me because Giannis is an interesting case study, ironically, in this. because both He of takes them, the open three now. He takes the open three and he's not afraid to miss. So uh-huh. one of my favorite basketball pundits, Coach David Thorpe, is always insistent on both of them in this case, Ben and Giannis, taking the open threes and get your misses and your inconsistencies inconsistencies out in the regular season. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make light of the regular season, but it truly doesn't matter when you have the talent that both Giannis and Ben Simmons have. They're both going to make the playoffs. Knock on wood, they'll go very far in the playoffs. If you can get over missing a three and feeling like a chump, I think it goes a long way because I think we're already seeing Giannis benefiting from taking those threes. He may not hit every three, but he's getting comfortable with every three he walks in on. And it's going to keep the defenses even more honest. Oh. Like, you have to respect it a little bit. Mobile Shaq with a three. Never thought we'd see the day, but there we are. Agile. Right I mean, Shaq yeah. was agile, but Giannis is a whole other level of mobility. Yes. I mean, so another point to those highlights I was watching of 30-year LeBron. Like, they call Ben Simmons the next LeBron. Who is the next LeBron? Watching those highlights in, in real time without – you know, slow motion or this watching LeBron in real time at age 20. Mm-hmm. There's never been another player. And Michael Jordan was so great when he was young, when he kicked off first gun to Sure. But LeBron is three years younger mm-hmm. and is a literal Mack truck with a Ferrari engine. Like yeah. LeBron is so much faster and just makes the effortless play. And like he's doing this dump off passes to Drew Gooden and this, the worst team at old man, Eric Snow, and it's like the worst roster around him, but time, everybody else around him is running in slow-mo yeah. and he's doing that flash moment from uh, Justice League uh-huh. where he, he pokes, yeah, yes. this is the sword from uh, Wonder Woman yeah. and it's like pushed it back towards her. 
that's how fast LeBron's moving. And he's just bigger, stronger, more athletic. And yeah. it's just Luca, you do great things. Ben Simmons, you do great things. But LeBron's a one and a That is a lifetime. beautiful thing you just said because LeBron is truly the only player, even though Giannis is kind of coming up on him with regards to this category that mm-hmm. I'm about to speak to, where he literally feels bigger than the court that he plays on. Yes. Very true. Giannis is getting that way. I think you and I were both at the Blazer game. Yes. And, uh, the Bucks were 30 and 20 without trying. I've never seen anything like it before. It's... That effortless or effortless, whatever the way Shaq says it, but mm-hmm. you can literally see Giannis counting his head. Okay, I'm going to get this rebound and I'm going to run to that end of the floor and I'm going to do this six times during the course of the game. Of those six times, four times I'm going to try to get mine, but two of the times I'm going to look for shooters. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those things where, to your point, he still doesn't look as fast as what LeBron did. And borrowing your analogy of a Ferrari engine and a Matt Turok body, that's one of my favorite descriptions of a professional wrestler from Bray Wyatt because that was his whole... It's a real thing. Yeah. Like, cool. Yeah. So I think you're a genius. And as a low-key wrestling fan, welcome to our kingdom. <laughs> I didn't mean to, but no, here no, we are. Here we are. And that was the perfect analogy because it was always that combination of LeBron James's Carl Malone and Magic Johnson put together. And there was this clip that went viral on Twitter this weekend where you just saw Magic Johnson leading the break. And he had a certain way about doing it that I think LeBron is the biggest difference rather between LeBron and Magic leading the break is Magic was a showman in life, whether he's at a boardroom or on the court. LeBron is very much all about efficiency. Mm -hmm. The one thing that always intrigues me about LeBron is he's a guy that's literally built to run and play that style of basketball but he never plays with pace. And it's always been interesting to me because I think that is truly LeBron at his apex when he's running at you. Mm-hmm. But I think it's great. Uh, I want to speak a little bit about local boy Damian Lillard and some of the havoc that he's caused over the last week month and, and a half, half yeah. month and a half. And he didn't even Killing. get the Western Conference Player of the Month, which is absurd to me. Yeah, I mean, he will in February. I mean, he has to in February because he's two-time week player, Western Conference. That's yeah. so many... Adjectives. Yeah. Uh, Western Conference Player of the Week, two times running. Yes. But he didn't get the month. And to me, averaging 48 points a game and... 10 assists or something. 10 assists. Knock on wood, he gets the Blazers at least the eighth spot. And I think he's going to get it because I'm still waiting to see how this story ends for uh, John Morant and uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Mm -hmm. They've got a nice squad in Memphis. What? I don't think they can maintain that with Dame right on their coattails. So it'll be interesting. I don't think they can either. Yeah. Um, Do you want to talk about anybody else on Team LeBron? I know we kind of did a little bit about Ben Simmons. Joker's going to do Joker things. I love the play that he had on CJ McCollum where he blocked his shot yes. and then hit the ball off of CJ as he was coming down out of bounds. Uh, shout out to um, – uh, oh, my gosh. What's – Oh, Stretch Park 5. Yes. What's um, J- um J- Jacoby. yeah Jacoby yep. shout out Jacoby I think one of the funniest things I've ever freaking heard it's, yeah. it's mean but it's funny um, Jason Tatum which man I'm a Celtic hater through and through but I love that man's game smooth as butter like oh, he he is very interesting and going back to the last episode that maybe one day you'll hear if we decide to open a uh, Patreon and ask you to charge ten bucks a month to listen to our outtakes. He is kind of the face of Jordan brand right now because Luca is taking a team to greatness, whereas Jason has – or uh, sorry, yeah, Jason Tatum has kind of been in this team that has an infrastructure that's built on success and built to win. And I think we agreed upon in that episode that Jason Tatum would probably have the longest run out of all the current Jordan brand class mm-hmm. that are this new generation. His game is built to last. He has the athleticism now and the skills for when the athleticism fades. He'll be all right. Uh, now, this next guy, Mr. Chris Paul, speaking of Jordan Brand, fascinates me. Uh-huh. Yeah, speaking of Jordan Brand, but not just that. Every year, whether it's Kobe, who's as too damn old and should not have been an All Star that year, but it's his last All Star yeah. game, gotta be. Um, stuff like D Wade last year, I believe it was last year. D Wade retired. And Nowitzki, right? They yeah. both got the honorary. They, they, they both got the honorary nods. Um, Chris Paul is of honorary nod age, but is hooping hard enough to wear. He truly does, or he, he's earned his spot. It's not a basketball nepotism pick is what you're saying. 100%. He's, he's it's, earned it through his accolades and how he's played this year. Now it's 17, 5, and 6 as his, you know, his split. 17 points, 5 rebounds, 6.6 assists. That's not Devin Booker's 29 points. Mm-hmm. But. Talk about it. The team is much better. 
and talk about low expectations. Like, did anybody shit harder on a team than the world chat on <laughs> the Oklahoma City Thunder? Like, we buried that grave before they even see it. We were basically trading Chris Paul before he even played a minute for this. And that's team. messed up. I that mean, is messed up. I mean, we thought he was going to be Mr. Buyout Guy. Or if not Mr. Bayak, he would be a part of some trade that I think a lot of places had him going to Miami. Mm-hmm. But to your point, Robbie, he's also been an all-star. This is his first birth since 2016. Yeah, it's taking a little break. That's been really interesting to me because I think the all-star game is notorious for getting people based on their past accolades yeah. or if they develop this cult-like following like Alex Caruso. Or you play with James Harden. Exactly. It just stifles your game. Oh. Unlike Russell West. So... The whole, Speaking of James Harden teammates. Yeah, Russell Westbrook is actually the next guy on the list here. And Russ, man, like, so I went to the Rockets game, Rockets, Rockers, Rockets v. Blazers earlier this month. And James Harden had a beautiful game. He had 11 points. Sure. This biffed it. Horrible game. But mm-hmm. Mr. Energizer Bunny, Russell Westbrook, took that game over and kept them in it. They ended up losing to the Blazers. But I've never seen, and people say this all the time, Russ plays with, like, reckless abandon. Sure. But you don't realize how just impactful he is until you're watching him live. Because, you know, you'll see somebody kind of lollygag up into a screen. Yep. I'm going to set the screen right here. Let me count three. Yeah, count three. I'm going to move. Yep. No, Russ is doo, 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 and is going as fast as he possibly can. And it's beautiful. I think his effort, not to say Chris Paul didn't have effort while with James Hart. Mm-hmm. But James Harden's uh, skill yeah skill set is is voided or like is uh it doesn't affect what Russell Westbrook's going to do. And that's just sure. giving intensity and effort. I like that point a lot because initially when I saw that Westbrook was going to join Harden, my thought was if anything, Westbrook would be the one that would have his powers nullified a little mm-hmm. bit because James Harden's so ball dominant. To your point. You can be the less ball dominant person, but if your effort is still there and your passion is still there, because that's the one thing we always talk about with Russell Westbrook is, yeah, he may be a little frustrating to watch because he picks weird battles. Like I'm going to shut down Ricky Rubio. Yeah. In actuality, he probably should have shut down Donovan, Donovan Mitchell. But that being said, there is no better reason than just passion and hustle. And I think he will do that until the day he decides he doesn't want to play basketball anymore. Mm -hmm. And we always talk about this concept of Mamba mentality. And I think a particular facet of Mamba mentality is the fact that you hold everybody accountable and you are king shit and nobody should ever outwork you in the room. And I think Russell is the one that best amplifies that. 100%. Like so many Kobe anecdotes in the world, but like it all boils down to work harder, period. It's work harder. It doesn't matter if it's, what you're doing is work harder. It could be, oh, you're not sleeping well? Work harder at sleeping. Yeah. You're not doing good at work? Close those eyes. Yeah, right? Close them. Go to bed earlier. Get off your cell phone. Just a sneak, a sneak do it mask better. On. Yes. Um, and man, it, it's just, it's beautiful because like, you know, Russ just, I mean, he saw Kobe firsthand. I mean, being, he's a local boy, right? He's he, very local. And his shoes are, everything about him is bold. And, I can even start getting. I can start getting teared up about Kobe. Talking about Russell Westbrook. That's yeah. all. That's all. That's it all interplays. Well, here's the thing. That is where I think this generation of player that Mr. Bryant influenced and emboldened to be risk takers, not only in your basketball but also in your leadership and your off the court activities. That's where we see his true brilliance. And I know there's been a lot of analogies made and I don't want to talk too much about Kobe because I don't want to make my co-host cry because he is a Kobe guy through and through and he's Mr. LA. And I'm happy that Robbie's in my life now, but Kobe dying is like John Lennon in the sense that John Lennon and the Beatles influenced so many artists to play a certain way, to sound a certain way, to consider different things. And that's going to be Kobe's true impact and his true legacy is his coaching, which I never thought would be the case because he was so amplified as a player and i know i use that word amplify as a crutch but with kobe everything was always on full volume and that's what it is with russell is they will go balls to the wall they will go zero to 100 real quick and there is no thought in terms of should i have slowed down going into that dump probably not so mm-hmm. i think it's one of those things where russell is there there is something to be said about his skill set that he didn't let james harden 
dial it down to such an impact that we saw a multiple year absence for him from the all-star break weekend festivities. Mm -hmm. So that's nice. And then we'll use this awkward transition to talk about the last man on the team. Domo Sabonis. It's funny. It's always like the white guy that gets picked last. And it's like, I imagine, okay, we got you. Got you. Who's left? Who's left? Man, Sabonis. But Sabonis been balling. Like, Here's, yeah, I was going to say, tomorrow, another Jalen and Jacoby. Uh, and uh, what is it? Uh, speech uh, pattern. Sorry, I'm, we'll edit this. Preach. Preach. Mm-hmm. Is the fact that Jalen would always talk about Rob Palenka as being the guy that kept the GPA where it needed to be for the team. And that's how I always view the white guy at the end of the bench. And sorry if that's racist, but it is what it is. But Domo has a hell of a low post game. And I'm always wondering, is he the person that you guys as the Lakers should have gone after with Kuzma? Right. Um, Maybe because he's a sneaky tall man. He's 6'11", but he's still like, he's, he's, he's slender man. Yeah, <laughs> not, not literally Slender Man, but you wouldn't think a guy with his build and kind of just like the way he looks is putting up, you know, 18 and 12 with a 20 PER right now, player efficiency rating. It is yes. above average. It's like I'm talking 38th about 38th in the league right now. Dude, 38th in the league. And I mean, just think about, yeah, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole player efficiency rating, but it's just like, that's that's strong for somebody who got traded as like filler for Paul George. Yeah, some good ass filler. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> both Oladipo and him thrived in that setting of I don't want to call it basketball purgatory because apologies if there are any Indiana Pacer diehards that listen to this podcast, but it's just something we don't think about until come playoff season where they're inevitably locked in the four or five matchup with the Washington Wizards even though I don't think they've ever played, but that just feels like the quintessential NBA East, NBA TV Eastern Conference matchup is the Indiana yes. Pacers versus the Washington Wizards. Some small middle-of-the-country market. Yeah. Thing, yeah. And then you're just like, I'm going to watch the last six minutes of this because this will be a nice lead into the Western Conference game. But Domo's been getting buckets. He is an underrated player. Uh, he's got the good pedigree there with his dad being the prolific passer and prolific player that he was. So Domo, it'll be interesting. Domo. <laughs> he, you, you gotta yeah good genes there oh i'm a big fan of it and i think he i would love to see the and this is my weird nba all-star weird fantasy thing is him and joker having a pick and roll situation where they're just throwing no look passes to one another Woo! so one person hits somebody in the fourth row with behind the back over the head pass and gets that person a concussion and then we're going to watch basketball games played with nets up yeah, they're both the gifted ass passers I mean, it's funny. So 18 and 12 all-star winning team. I think they're third or fourth in the East. Uh, No, I think they're probably fifth now, but they're in the playoff hunt. So Mr. Carl Anthony Towns is bitching and moaning about not being an all-star with his 25 and like 13, but your team is like last. Indiana Pacers are sixth. Sixth. And they're actually one game behind the Philadelphia 76ers. So they're right there in the hunt. They're definitely there in the hunt. And we'll use that opportunity to talk about a Philadelphia 76er that's on the other end of this all-star matchup. And Team Giannis. And his first pick was Joel Embiid. Thoughts on Mr. Embiid? Man, I hate Joel Embiid. Why do you hate Joel Embiid? Man, because I've never seen anybody with so much God-gifted... Well, yeah. So not ever seen anybody who is just like squandering... So you think he's squandering his Man, time. he eats like crap, but he's not ever particularly in shape. I love a good Shirley Temple as much I, as any person. I do too, but man, he's just like, he, he he's Dwight Howard. Oh, why you do that to Joel Embiid? Man, because he's so much fun. I mean, he's he's smiling giggles. Yeah. He seems serious about Shit the game. Shit extraordinaire. But push comes to shove, we need to see more. And at least Dwight Howard got his team. And while leading the team, he was the focal point of the team consistently got them through the Eastern Conference Finals right. to the finals. That's only one time to the finals, but they were contending multiple years. Yes. And Joel Embiid is, so he, judging by where he was picked here, um, he is the star of the Sixers. I'm not going to say he's not, mm-hmm. but much like his Under Armour shoes, it's just like a lot of this unused potential. He, he could, if you were to lay off the Big Macs and take the game a little seriously, maybe ice up a little more after games. Yeah. He could, uh, he could really move the needle a little more, but you see these flashes of dominance with Embiid. And that's what's also frustrating to me 
Because on the surface, and granted, I don't know what he goes through on a day-to-day basis, you just feel like something is missing. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate, going back to our other favorite topic of this podcast, apparently Ben Simmons, where it almost seems like that civil war is brewing, where you're going to have to pick one in the future. And are we sure Joel Embiid is the one that we want to keep, in my best Bill Simmons voice? Because I think at this point, you're always going to miss, let's say, anywhere from 15 to 25 games of Joel. At least. At least. There are questions that, are you taking too many threes? And granted, I don't want to turn this into a retrospective on... Analytics. A, yeah, area. analytics. But he is built to be played in the low post. I don't want him to give up his three-point identity because I do think that's a modern wrinkle of the game. But just go down there and showcase to everybody you're the last dragon, so to speak. And you are that spiritual successor to Shaq where you can just dominate with one half spin. Not only the last dragon, you're the last dragon and you're being... Guarded by Mushu from Mulan. Yeah. Like the smallest freaking dragons on earth. Talking about barbecued chicken. Yes. Going back to the Shaq He thing. should be. I mean, I mean, Shaq is right, though. Like, he should be grilling up. I mean, we're, we, we are going to be picking on P.J. Tucker a lot until they get some, uh, I think. Do they make off-white stilts? <laughs> right. I saw the popular name. They might. But, I mean, they're talking about the Rocks. They're talking about getting somebody on, like, the waiver market, the big name. But until that happens... We're going to keep grilling P.J. Tucker for having to be the center on that team. Yeah. But you got P.J. Tucker or the like. You got Chris Middleton on your switch. Yeah. You have um, even Sabonis. Sabonis is 240. He's not a big dude. I was going to say the only person that I could think that could give Embiid trouble is the recently acquired Atlanta Hawk, Clint Capella. Yeah. And Atlanta's not going to make it. Yeah, they're not, yeah they're not. and Clint Capella's he's nice. But so here's another facet to why Joel Embiid can be soft. So you would see Clint Capella, that should be a, a one-on-one matchup for the days for Joel Embiid just to get bucket after bucket after bucket. Right. But Joel will play down the competition. He'll play around the competition in terms of, let's just take a three. Instead of me going in the post, I'm just going to play around. Like, oh, okay, I don't want to get banged up. I don't want to, yeah. whatever I don't want to do. It's yeah. just ugh, fr- now, frustrating. I, now that I think about it, the Dwight Howard is an apt comparison because – Dwight, similar to what Shaq was as well at some points in his career, they're both showmen. Mm-hmm. They want to give that paying audience something to really... They want that sound bite. They want the sound bite. They want that funny ah-ha-ha-ha moment. And I think at times, Joel thrives too much to do that. And whether it's the quote-unquote self-monitoring, self-policing way of not shit-talking as much this year, which granted, I haven't really heard that much shit-talk from Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. Maybe shit talk a little bit more. Just a little bit. Yeah. But I think it's going to be interesting because I honestly thought that shot that they lost to would be a turning point or a breaking point for this Philadelphia 76ers team because you lost in one of the most heartbreaking fashions. Speaking of favorite heartbreaks earlier, where Kawhi hit the seven-bounce shot. The only way it could have been more beautiful was if it took six bounces, so we could call it the six shot. On the six. And to me, I'm like, okay, I just lost this way. He's unconsolable or inconsolable, sorry, English not my first language, bear with me there, in the locker room, how do you rebound from this? Because if you are who you think you are, this is going to be that moment that propels you to greatness. And as of right now, we don't see it. So here's a basic fundamental, and I don't want to be like a sizist or a weightist, or I definitely don't care what size people are, but Dwight Howard is a specimen, man. Like Dwight Howard, to this day, is in fantastic, fantastic shape. Like Dwight, I don't know if it's genetics, but... Dwight, yeah, smiles, ha, ha, ha. He was in the weight room, though. Yes. He's in there working on moves. Like, Dwight, say what you want about the personality, but... When he came to play, the he body, came to play. The body speaks. The body speaks for itself. And speaking about the Raptors, the next pick that Giannis had was Pascal Siakam. Speaking of body, yaddy, yaddy. I yeah. mean, Pascal, man, Stretch Armstrong. Pascal is so good that you almost forget Kawhi Leonard was there last he year. He 100% putting up 23-7-3? Yes. That's... So here's funny, though. So he has a lower player efficiency rating than Sabonis, though. I think mm-hmm. it's kind of funny. You know, Pascal is arguably way better. You 100% forget about Kawhi. It's Absolutely. Just, I mean, who? Thanks for the championship, dog. Don't let the door hit you. And that's going to be an interesting question. Like, do you ironically or unironically retire Kawhi's oh, Raptors jersey? To. Because I don't think we've seen a better single-team career for one year. I mean, not since, let's say... The only thing I can think of is Carmelo in college where he played for one year in Syracuse and they won the title. And then he's like, I'm going to ride off into the sunset of beautiful Denver, Colorado. Rookie Magic Johnson is the only close comparison and he had freaking Kareem. Yeah. So 
Come on. <laughs> and I don't think Kawhi was half as expressive as Magic Johnson was in that oh. first game where Kareem hit the skyhook and he was just jumping into his arms. So And Kyle Lowry isn't Kareem. Yes. No offense to Kyle Lowry. Nope. But um Kareem's not walking through that door. There's never been a situation like that before. But man, I would like to see so the kind of pivot in the, the shoe a little bit. Pascal wears a lot of KDs. Sure. I think just the fact that he's so he's, he's from London, I believe he's British. Uh, let me check that because he's he, he's he's a bit of an accent. It could just be a colony thing. I don't know, but that boy international, like that boy is international. For you sure. could really. I want to see him leave Nike. Let's see him join Team New Balance or something. And I want to see a signature shoe. Where's he from? He is from Cameroon. Cameroon. Okay, so but it was a colony at some point. New Mexico State. Oh, what? Yes, go Aggies. But man, this, he is so. I watched him when he, again, another Blazer game. I saw Pascal the third game this year. Yes. But man, I was very impressed with him. Just, he had, he has a lot of it. Like that intangible yeah. quality that it's you just it. kind of say, okay, this guy's going to be a star. His finger magically grows to be an extra inch long when he needs it to on defense. You know, it's weird yeah. stuff like that. It's just makes it happen. No, I think he probably had the benefit of the NBA star that most is like his game with uh, Kawhi being there last year. And I was really intrigued by how would he handle it this year because we were all ready for the inevitable decline of the Toronto Raptors this year because of the fact that, hey, you're not supposed to be good now that you've lost this talisman, Kawhi Leonard. But egg is on my face. Oops, like we still is. are. Oh, yeah, for sure. And not only that, 13-game winning streak, probably the hottest team in the league. And it's going to be a really interesting out in the Eastern Conference, which is something we really can't say that much because inevitably we've always kind of been, and by we, I mean me, I've always thought the Western Conference was far superior, and I never really paid attention to the Eastern. Until this year, this is like it's absolutely. We think about the Blazers nipping, chomping at the bit, so to speak, and they're four games under five hundred in the ninth seat in the ninth spot. (sighs) Should be uh, three and a half after that debacle. Man, that Utah call was bad. I'm going to see where is uh, Rudy Gobert. He's seventh in ESPN's roster uh, slots for Team Giannis. We'll get there when we get there, but I feel for you, Dame. Uh, so do you want to share? No, I mean, look, let's just pivot. We'll yeah. get to jump back around. So, um, so I think, we, I think, no, let's keep it the way it is. So we can go starters. Then we'll pop yeah. back into Rudy. Um, so Kemba, Boston's finest, better than Kyrie in this situation. Absolutely. Not yeah. better than Kyrie and, but in the situation, better than Kyrie. Not only that, the best number eight Walker. Shout out to Antoine. Yeah. Right. That's it's, kind of messed up. They let him wear number eight. Yeah. But then I, I thought he was also many, uh, one of the many that was, potentially retiring the number eight and going to a different number. Ah, he did not though. Yeah, I think he made claim, uh, claims about doing it, but maybe just, that's always interesting. There's nothing wrong with wearing number If you wear it because of Kobe, there's nothing wrong when Kobe passes. You're, you're honoring him your own. You don't have to change it. You've been, like you've been honoring the him the whole time. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to speak to Kobe or for Kobe because I've never met the man in a professional or personal setting, but the type of dude that he is, he would like for a player who, granted, has that great skill set to wear that number. Mm-hmm. Especially to your point, Robbie, if that number is indicative of their love of Kobe. There's been a lot of talk of Kobe becoming the new logo for yes. the NBA. And cool, you can do that. I think when it comes to logos, you don't mess with it just because it's your branding for sure and think about how much recall you have to do across the world right just financially it's, it's stupid but um at the end of the season i would like to see every team retire eight and 24 no no team could ever wear nobody could ever wear eight or 24 in the league yeah. ever again the miami heat did it for michael jordan they have 23 did it for kobe this year yes they did um i want to say somebody else did it for i know I, I think the Mavericks might be the only team that have Kobe in the stands, but you know, somebody busts your ass so many times that Kobe, I believe got 40 on every team except for the Lakers, obviously. Right. Um, so I think you probably got 50 in practice, but practice scores don't count in this, uh, crazy style we have. One of my favorite stories, Luke Walton came over hung over and Kobe said, no helping Luke. He's guarding me. And Kobe put 70 on sobering 70. Yeah. Very sobering 70, but, uh, Kemba buckets quality. Yeah. Right. Um, he showed up on uh, Jesus and Mero. Yeah, that's exactly. Um, but think about it. So you have Kemba Walker, which I think is the polar opposite of the next player we have, mm-hmm. Mr. Trey Young. I get bucket. He was my he was my shooter. So he said there's not okay, a lot of shooting. Yes, you're right. I counted Damian Lillard as one of my shooters. Sure. 
and Mr. Trey Young. Who's yeah. your other? Who's your? I'm shooter? Harden. I think that's some an under. Because you were shit. <laughs> you, you, you you try thirty times, you're gonna make ten of them. That's exactly my point. I mean, he he's got the opening green light. Uh, going back to Harden just for a little bit because I know he's Robbie's favorite player, and he's gonna be the next guy to replace LeBron whenever LeBron decides to retire. I'm sure. I'm doing this primarily foot and mouth. I always thought James Harden was going to be the next Manu Ginobili in terms of this hyper-efficient, beautiful left-handed player, and he's really just thrown that back in my face. He does play some beautiful basketball. He's still got a great passing eye, but to Robbie's point, he ruins it with step-backs and searching for fouls, but he is also a product of his environment, so I can't fault him for that. Looking for fouls in all the wrong places. Looking for fouls in all the wrong time. James Harden, you are worse than crime. Sorry. He's not. I mean... Looking for, I mean, Utah, great example. Officiating has been weak the past couple of years. So right. if they're going to call, call a foul on everything, you know, swipe your hand up every time. Exactly. Do, do what you got to do, James. I mean, not only that, I think he is a type of player that basically renders another team's best player ineffective. So going back to your Utah comparison, Houston plays Utah in the playoffs. Rudy Gobert's a wrap because how do you take away Harden with just Rudy Gobert and Rudy Gobert is built to collect fouls for James Harden at this point. Mm -hmm. And he's a great defender. I will never hold that against him, but I just think the way that it's going to be policed is Harden is going to get that call 11 times out of 10. Well, we're out of the top five now, so yes, we'll, keep, we'll continue on about Rudy. Yes. The stifle tower, the one, stifle of, tower. one of my favorite nicknames ever. Yes. But I'm so happy he's all-star this year. He got stifled the past couple years. Putting up just about 15 and 15. Yes. Which is freaking nuts. 70% almost. Uh, he, he leads the league in, yeah, a field goal percentage. But you just don't, they don't make them like that anymore. They don't make straight up defensive. And it's just a testament to what defensive means in exactly. 2020. Because defensive is leading and being a leader in blocks and rebounds, yada, yada. But putting up 15, like, Think about early 2000s, just defensive stop. Like your Doug Christie's, your Bruce Bowens, Absolutely. struggling to get 15 Shane points. Battier. Yeah, Shane Battier, you're struggling to get 15 points. Now it's just like you, there's so many lobs towards the hoop. Rudy Gobert can get 15 points Absolutely. on lobs. Absolutely. I mean, he's also always kind of been fortunate in the fact that he's had gifted passers around him. So, mm -hmm. I mean, Rubio probably got him a lot of oops. Uh, Mike Conley has been a little bit of a disappointment this year. A lot of us thought this would be the year he finally cracks the all-star team. But Rudy has just always gotten his business done. And one thing that's been interesting to me is, going back to a point you said earlier, it almost seems like we always get one defender on the all-star team as a like, okay, we need to get at least one defender on here. We want to call it the Ben Wallace spot or the Andre Karolinko spot. And mm -hmm. Rudy is kind of maintaining that Utah tradition I of getting Andre Karolinko was it. 47, one of the other it best nicknames. Who would have thought Utah Jazz misappropriately named give us two of the greatest nicknames we've seen recently? Now, okay, so Rudy Ballin. I love Rudy Gobert. Yep. Bam Adebayo, one of my favorite players in the league this year. I love Bam. I love Bam too. And he, to me, I know we kind of railed on this earlier where we don't want to call somebody the next or the baby, but he is a player to me that best embodies Draymond Green's skill set, except with 100% less asshole. I was thinking of Sean Marion. Ooh, I like that comparison. So, I mean, just your Swiss Army knife on the wing yes. is, is, is the fundamental. Yeah. I hate Draymond because he's a warrior and a Laker warrior thing. Yes. I respect. The, the Rockets think they can play small ball because Draymond Green was born. Yes. But not everybody's as, as stout and smart and just pretty much your your safety one on defense. Most, yes. One of the most overused words we use in sports today is revolutionary. Uh -huh. Draymond Green is a revolutionary. He led the revolution. Yes. He is the one that basically the Rockets hope Robert Covington can live up to the Draymond Green hype. And it'll be interesting because that is definitely going to be a basketball experiment where I think at this point, that's all Houston does is playing an elaborate game of truth and truth or dare with, amongst its front office and being like, okay, let's shoot 43s in a game. Let's, let's get an entire roster of people under seven feet. Let's shoot it. Where's yeah. going to happen? Yeah. I Three's love better Bam. than two. Miami's going to be very interesting with Andre Iguodala. He shouldn't have to do a lot of heavy lifting because he is getting there in age, but it's a very interesting fit. You got a backup Bam. That's your job. Backup Bam. You've got Jimmy Butler there. Dragic is still there. Tyler Hero is appearing to be the shooter that we've been craving for a while. He's, yeah. that, he's the white shooter. 
He's the white light we never got from Larry Bird. Exactly. He's the new Wally Serbiak to tie back to what we were talking about earlier. Uh, Speaking of which, let's talk about Jimmy Butler. Uh, Another love. So I won't wear any West Coast team jerseys other than the Lakers for obvious reasons. But I have been mewling the idea of a Jimmy Butler jersey all season. Are you going Miami Vice? Oof. Because that's the play, if you ask me. It's a hard pool. for. I'm I'm a very pale man. I'm wearing pink now. But it's just like... Why don't you come on home, as the kids say? Just embrace the pink on pink. I should. No, no, no. no. I love that list of OG heat. But like... Jimmy Butler shows that you don't have to go to a made product. You can be the product to made it. Yes. To, to made it. Let's use that as our English. You can make it. You're, he's the, the special sauce. Yes. He is yeah. Mr. Intangible. He's a dog. He's an asshole. He's going to get you. I'm a bitch. I'm a lover. Who is that? I'm trying to remember. It was that. Oh, God. I want to say Alanis Morris. No. It's not Alanis. It's somebody else. And we'll... How about that? We'll have that as a trivia question for next episode because we need to figure that out. Um, let's see. Kyle Lowry, speaking of special sauce ingredients, he's always better than what he looks like he's contributing. 100%. Like, to your point, Giannis can give you 30 and 20 effortlessly. Kyle Lowry looks like he's going to take three hours to get you 10 and 10, but then lo and behold, you've got a nice 17 and 12 looking at you. You ever had real Korean food, like real, real Korean food? I have not. Man, so like once you let go of the... Oh, man, I know uh, yakitori. Yes. And you let go of the ramen, and you get, like, the real... That real, real? That real, real food. Man, it looks like you're not going to like it. Uh Then you eat it, and like, okay, she's fucking delicious. Of course. Kyle Lowry is that dish. You look at it, like, okay, in my mind, I imagine chubby Houston Rockets Kyle Lowry. For sure. And he's still got a little bit of pump to him. But he has just... Especially at six feet. Yeah. He's basically, this is, our new podcast is all about how Kyle Lowry is a snack in modern parlance. <laughs> we'll go over Looking that. like a bag of Funyuns. No. Delicious. With his sexy self. All right. But 19 points, you, you wouldn't, Marcus has been out, so no Kawhi, no Marcus Gasol consistently. Buck has got to come somewhere. Fred Van Fleet and Kyle Lowry. Maybe with the most underrated backcourt. Oh, absolutely. In the league right now. I mean, I think it's... Some, it says something that Kyle Lowry was the one that stayed because for all the different Raptors players we've seen over the years, and they almost always seem to be the at the end of LeBron's greatest moments, Kyle Lowry was the one that stayed. Kyle Lowry was the one that kind of shined brightly during that series where it seemed any time the uh, Raptors were great, it was at the heart of a Kyle Lowry basketball move mm-hmm. or some sort of experience that he cultivated he messes it up sometimes too oh, absolutely there's nothing better than a kyle lowry flub up because you're like ha this dude definitely is the dude we play with and against in 24 basketball whenever we see him but, why'd you make that pass uh, come on kyle and actually i think canadians are very nice and i don't think they would ever raise their voice and that's why they'll retire quite Leonard's jersey i think if it was america they're not retiring that we're, we're bitter but Canada? Honestly, i think it depends on the franchise i think if it's like a star-crossed franchise mm-hmm I think that, that gets retired and they might ask him to come back when he's retired so they can sign a one-day contract with him. Yeah. Which is one of my least favorite things in all sports now, but that's another topic for another day. Uh, speaking of another topic, but not for another day, we've got Brandon Ingram next, the Slender Man. I, I'm very so, and at, I'll bring this up at the end, but I'm surprised he's an all-star when there's other players who are also not in the playoff. Well, I guess the Pelicans are in the hunt. Yes. Technically. But uh, it, it's hard to ignore the um, the breakout season that Brandon Ingram's, Brandon Ingram's been having. I loved his game. I loved watching him as a Laker. But every time, more, give me more. Just give me something. Give me a, a smile, a, yes. a yell, a, a du- like emotion, something. Yes. And this year, he bodies people. He's he's so I think they're being generous, giving him one ninety. Yes. And and the belt size. But to keep that team energized and, and afloat, float, yeah, afloat without Zion, it's great, but I don't think it's all-star worthy. So who would you give the spot to? Then? Man, I genuinely think Devin Booker deserves it only because he's been putting up Brandon Ingram-like numbers for years that are better than Brandon Ingram. Of course. And his team is also in Z-Hunt. Um, Z hunted it kind of yeah. German there, yeah. um, but they're also in the hunt. So if you're gonna, if you're not gonna, if you're not gonna purely reward winning, why is Brandon Ingram there and he's younger? To your point of 
this guy is an all-star quintessential Chris Paul. He's yeah. oh, he's been there before. Let's just let's bring him in again. Or um, yes, yeah. I mean it's it's always a star-driven league. And I remember the best course, uh, best case scenario for this was when we had the Kobe and LeBron puppet campaign by Nike. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed inevitable. We get Kobe and LeBron in the finals. It's what we wanted. And lo and behold, Dwight Howard comes, and we were all really frustrated. But Imagine it from a David Stern perspective of, yes, if there's something I love more than two established stars going into the finals, Parody. is a brand new star that usurps one of my existing stars. Mm-hmm. And I said the word star a lot, so I'll stop saying star. We're talking about all-stars. Though, so they're all-stars. All-stars. And it's one of those things where this seems like a year too early, but then at the same time, it is something to be said that that Pelicans team while not as great as we anticipated, is more than holding its own. And I think it is going to be a real duck fight between them and the Blazers and the Grizzlies and whoever else is in that eighth running spot. He was the number two overall pick from the jump. He has all-star potential, Kevin Durant potential. Right. Potential. So it, I do genuinely enjoy seeing fans, coaches, and players recognize that the potential is starting to, to blossom yes. into something real. Yep. And, you, and you can't play with LeBron. If, if you're going to be another wing who's a scorer, you can't play with LeBron. That's interesting you say that because it more than often is true because when he made his climbing or his letter home to Cleveland, I would have thought he would have at least kept Andrew Wiggins for a year just to see what does he have before just shipping him off for Kevin Love. To your point, LeBron just wants to establish people. He wants to be the, the de facto winner. You're my spot, man. You're my spot. You're going to eat your cornbread? Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> Underrated movie, Life. Check it out. That's my old millennial take of the podcast. Uh, and then lastly, we'll have Donovan Mitchell. Anything you want to say about young Spider-Man there? Best shoe name, the Don issue one, going into comic books, Spider-Man, Spider, super cool. I also don't think he, I mean, so I say, I also don't think he's an all-star, but just because it's Utah and you think, I still think Rudy Gobert still when I think of Utah, but he's putting up 24 points a game. Utah historically hasn't had prolific scores outside of, you know, one Carl Malone. Yeah. Um, but he is getting the buck. Oh, and shout out to Darren Williams, five-year run yes. as being elite. Um, but he is the bucket maker. Absolutely. So let me ask you this, because this is the question and narrative I always see with young Donovan Mitchell is, do you think he is the heir apparent to Dwayne Wade? No. Okay. I think he is more... He's Zach Levine with... A well-adjusted self-aware Zach Levine? Yeah, He doesn't chuck the ball as much? He is like um, just... So, you, you know when you're a beginning chef, so you're making... Uh, I'm, I'm going to use butter chicken because we cooked it twice now at the house and we're trying to not just have baked chicken breast. As an Indian, I appreciate that. <laughs> you're welcome. But I mean more in the sense of the first time the seasoning was a little off. Sure. So V2... Even closer. Mm-hmm. V3 is going to be yes. delicious. Yeah. So like Zach Levine's like V2. Kevin Martin was V1 yeah. of, the, oh. of the sauce. Just chuck it up. Get your buckets. Weird ass shot. Yeah. Had some athleticism though. He could do some things. He's got Zach things. Levine, hyper athletic. Yes. Can make a lot of different plays, but not not refined. Donovan Mitchell is just... The you, chef's kiss. Yeah. You got the right, you know, the, the garnish is on there. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's both appetizing and beautiful to look at. Absolutely. Um, just D Wade, man, much like Kobe's game and a young LeBron, there's so much style and just jevity to it. This D Wade, grandiose. This, very grandiose. The stutter very step. This, everything is exaggerated. It goes mm-hmm. back to the whole co- quality of are you showman or are you an efficient player? Mm-hmm. And I think I really like your cooking analogy with Donovan Mitchell. But one thing about D Wade's game that was almost like a hidden delight was mm-hmm. his shot, a shot blocking prowess. Oh, best, yeah. Chase you down, front block, back block, side block, from behind the block. Yeah, absolutely. Up the block. Yeah, his friend Jenny from the block. <laughs> Don't be fooled by the rocks that he had. By the way, lovely halftime show i really am wondering what is going on in life if somebody is threatening to sue the nfl based on that content because it's just wholesome my husband gary divorced me because he saw shakira's hips hey they don't lie so that's one thing and that's another one where i'm just like let's just celebrate our cultures that make this country great that's my mayor pete statement if you will so i mean generic statement yeah go ahead we forgot chris middleton of course, which is the best description for right, Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton. What, what would you like to say about Chris Middleton? That the boy is a floating 
50, 40, 90 club member. Of He's course. right around there. For somebody who's a 39th pick in the second round. Yes. 39th pick overall. Yeah. Second round pick. Yeah. yeah. To clarify. Yep. Um, but just what I think makes that team, i.e. the Milwaukee Bucks, so deadly is that everybody knows that they're there on the court to support Giannis. Of course. They're not there to be better than Giannis. They're not there to outshine Giannis. They're there to keep going to food. They're the rice. So Giannis is the dish. Absolutely. But if you just have chicken and sauce, uh-huh. it's good. What's, it, what's the, the sauce in the soaking to? What's the... Yeah. What's the amuse-bouche? Yeah. Which is one of my favorite things. Amuse-bouche. Or mayonnaise. You know, mayonnaise. food lube, as I call it. Yeah. Listen, hey. You want a dry-ass turkey sandwich? Like, Giannis is the meat. But Giannis is some grade-A turkey. Is turkey grated in grade yeah, right. like, What What is the it's caliber of turkey? Good jerk chicken or... Um, yeah. Buffalo chicken. Buffalo chicken. It's a lot of different chicken. Uh, that's Turkey. the one thing where like chicken kind of gets the short end of the stick because beef has like filet mignon and all these different cuts like the Kobe, mm-hmm. the Wagyu, all these, if I mispronounce it. Wagyu. Chi- Wagyu. Chicken is just chicken. Mm-hmm. Like what's the high quality chicken? Uh, for Chris Middleton for me is he is a quintessential other where he's the perfect role player. And it goes back to this whole thought process of Lola Williams got an all-star birth because of LeBron James. And one time, though, one time, and this is, I believe, Chris Middleton's Two. second. Mm-hmm. And Chris Middleton is definitely a better player than Mo Williams, but that just also speaks to the greatness of the leading man or the entree, if you mm-hmm. will, to hop on this food analogy a little bit more is the fact that he can make others better than what they are. And it's interesting to me because this is something you and I talked about off mic was the fact that it was really fun watching the draft. And it's one of those no brainer ideas in hindsight, but I'm glad they're letting us see that. And it's something where we saw last year where LeBron James drafted Chris Middleton. Giannis felt some kind of way that he traded Ben Simmons for Chris Middleton. And that speaks very well to the chemistry and the regard that they have for one. Number one pick was number 39. Exactly. I mean, that's the question of value and that'll be part of our analytics podcast, which will be here in 2030. I'm sure. So any other thoughts you have about the all-stars? This one last part about Chris Middleton. So great point with Mo Williams. Josh Howard was yeah. Dirk's got an honorary nod. Devin Harris. Devin Harris. Andre Karalake. I would throw him in there too. Yeah, absolutely. But this the fact that he had the second birth, Jameer Nelson yes. made it one year. Uh Richard Lewis, akin to Ray know, Allen. And you go all day. Donovan Mitchell. Donovan, yeah. Donovan. <laughs> Don, see, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell at this point, though, like if you're going the next 10 years, you go Donovan Mitchell. Go the next five. It's really I like a defensive minded guy. Yeah. But um, the fact that he has a second nod already and two in a row, I already think he, he establishes himself outside of that realm mm-hmm. a little more. But still, I mean, this so solid. You, you, you quantify shooting many different ways. Is it, is it volume? Is it efficiency? Is it off the dribble? Is it catch and shoot? Chris Milton does it. All, all four. Yes. So fitting. Just again, is is that more fitting than Bradley Beal's hero ball every night and the really fun sound clips? Like, you can't guard me. Like, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, because podcast is a visual medium. We're both making that hands on our hips faces. Yeah, huh? Huh? No, but I mean, I think, unfortunately, at the end of the day, the current system as it is, they get to pick who they reward, and I'm not upset with it. I mean, there are cases to be made from a statistical perspective that, yeah, we want Devin Booker, we want a Bradley Beal on there, but we have to get these guys as winners, and we have to make sure that they are delivering, and those stats have some amount of substance to them, and they're not empty calorie stats. Mm-hmm. So. I'll make empty, yeah, we'll say that for another day. Empty, I like to talk about empty calorie scores. Yes. Because empty calorie scores and shooters – Go together, just like shoot. Like, that's all like one fat kid and cake. Fat kid and cake is um, inefficient shooters and shoes. Yeah, signature shoes. Yes, but you know that's that's the all star roster we have this year, um, and that's pretty much just the game. Um, we'll, we'll talk more about the three point shootout and the skills challenge and the dunk contest once that kind of happens. So we'll we'll save that for post all star. But, um, you know, thanks, everybody, for listening. Be sure to leave us a comment on how you guys are feeling on this, you know, this sports, this sports focused sneaker history podcast. We'd love to come up with a name if you can as well, because we're kind of 
unsure what to call this. And the other thing is, for sure, if you guys like and support us, great. If not, Robbie, I'll just see you at lunch once a week and we can have this conversation where it's just you and I. So. We'll have it one-on-one, but it's much fun having it with everybody here listening. Yes. So tell us who your all-star snubs are. Is there anybody that you would have liked to see? And if so, who are you taking off? This Sound off with your two-take, your two-cents, your hot take. Exactly. And not only that, are there any sneakers? Because we have to tie it back to our mothership and the Sneaker History Podcast, where my esteemed co-host is one of the pillars of that program. So Robbie, is there any particular shoe that you're most looking forward to this week? The pro model. The pro model. That black and gold pro model. Okay. I'm going to hoop the hell out of that thing. So He's bringing a triple-double to greater Beaverton area, 24 fitness. What that hours. means is two points, three rebounds. Yeah, we're adjusting yeah. to bell curve. I mean, three points, two rebounds. Yes, that's fair. Either way, triple-double. It's, it's, it games are to 11. Are there anything, I know you're a Nike basketball fan. Any of these... Any of these shoes speaking to you? Uh, yes, I, I'm really partial to the Iron Man 6, even though I believe they're called trophies. Uh, the vibe I got was Iron Man. And I think it's lovely. It, it's one of those things that I know that we'll probably talk about this some other time. But All-Star for me, in terms of a basketball sneaker event, used to be Christmas morning. Because mm-hmm. that would be the weekend where you would truly see some out there shoes and it worked. And there was usually a theme behind it. So something that you and I kind of also discussed about was this year, there doesn't seem to be a common link between the sneakers, and that's unfortunate because that level of storytelling unlocks why people fall madly in love with sneakers to me. It's BYOB, bring your own beer yes. and shoes. So you got all these random six-packs lying around the party. Absolutely. Like, I'm going to drink a little bit of all of them. Here's a lovely IPA. Here's a porter. Me, I will be sipping my nice water on the rocks. Hold the rocks. So thank you for that. So, man, that was a lot of fun. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, please make sure you're following Sneaker History at Sneaker History. Ro, where, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, I am on IG at rowitm 13 and I'm also on Twitter at Roheasy, but mostly on Twitter, I just like to link articles I intend to read at some point, including my beautiful co-host and his lovely scribes. Where are you currently at? Nice Kicks? I'm a little bit of everywhere. Okay. Um, but just, just having fun, so... Yeah, fun, fun at the theme of this of this, of this outro. Okay, so, quick pick: who you got? Team Giannis, Team LeBron. Ooh, LeBron. Okay, I'll take Giannis. And and we'll see who is who is the correct man exactly when we talk to you guys next. So, thanks everybody, and have a good rest of your day. Enjoy the game. I'm waving to you. Yeah, waving bye 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 guys. Hey everyone, this is Nick again. Before you take off, I wanted to ask a couple favors of you. If you're interested in more content from the Sneaker History Crew. Become a member of our Patreon page where we post daily content, drop exclusive episodes, and host monthly giveaways. We'll even help you hunt for your grails. Check us out at patreon.com slash sneakerhistory. Also, make sure you sign up for our email newsletter at sneakerhistory.com slash email. We send out weekly updates on the footwear business and what we're working on here at Sneaker History. Last but not least, take a second to tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how much it means to someone, and it might even plant the seeds for something even bigger. As always, we appreciate you, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, And we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.